This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Madison Pruitt Trout, welcome to Viral Jesus. I remember having this moment, this one day that changed everything. I was just sitting on my bed. I was crying. I was frustrated with the Lord. And I was like, God, why isn't this working out for me? Why is it working out for everyone else? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me gently, a kind little rebuke. Uh, He just laid on my heart like, Maddie, you are looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. You are trying to find this lasting, radical, unconditional love that meets all of your needs and satisfies every desire in your heart and makes you feel less lonely and more whole in another person. You're trying to find this in a relationship status and in a spouse when it can only be found in me. My love alone can fully satisfy you and complete you. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Hello, friend. We are back. We are back. And I hope you had a great holiday and I hope you've had a great 2024 so far. I hope it's treating you kindly. I posted online the other day that I have been praying that the Lord will shout surprise (laughs) to me sometime here in 2024 that he's just been working up the best surprise for me. I will pray that for you too. I am super excited about today's conversation with Madison Pruitt-Trout. You may remember her from season 24 of The Bachelor, where she was a finalist, but she is just so sweet, and she has a heart to encourage women who are looking for love. So I wanted to sit down with her today, but first, I have a new segment I want to share with you, and I'm super excited about it. I spent all of Christmas break cooking. I had no idea that cooking was so therapeutic, I had no idea that I actually love cooking. I'm just always exhausted. And so I actually slowed down over break and I found my new hobby, which is cooking. Apparently, I think I feel like so much of my life is out of control (laughs) and cooking is something that I can control. And so I thought it might be fun because I've been cooking so much to have a celebrity chef come on for the month of January and do a new segment with you where they tell us something that we can make for dinner. If you like this segment, please send me a DM or email me. That's how I know what you guys want to hear more of. You can email me at hello to T-O Heather at gmail.com and just let me know. The recipe will always be in the show notes. I decided to call this segment Friends in the Kitchen because I sit down with celebrity chef Danielle Cardis, who is also just a dear friend to me. 
I am super excited for this segment. We're going to call it Friends in the Kitchen because I made a friend when I was at a conference, I don't know, earlier in the fall, and she's a chef. It's Danielle Cardis. She's an author, a comedian, and a chef on The Kelly Clarkson Show. You can see her there. Her latest book is called Butter, Flour, Sugar, Joy. But Danielle, I told you, I text you, I, over Christmas break, discovered that I actually love cooking. I had no idea. I order out food all the time for my family because I bought into, I think, capitalism that told me I have to have a job and make a lot of money and I'm so busy I can't cook. And I have been cooking all Christmas break and I found a new love. It was therapy for me. I loved it. I decided I would now, I think if I didn't have all the student loan debt, I would just be barefoot in my kitchen cooking for my family. I'm so happy. I love this. I feel like this, there's this renaissance happening in the food world and people are like, hey, I, I enjoy cooking. I like my family. I, I like wearing comfortable clothes and not being like an absolute like, you know, follower of all the trends. But this is the thing. When you cook at home, you feel better. It helps you feel mm. better. And the thing that's so cool about cooking is you and I, we, we met and we hit it off. I love that you started cooking over Christmas break and you hit it off. Like you're like me and cooking, this is a thing. I'd like to ask him out again. <laughs> and so I contacted you. I contacted you because I wanted you to give my friends on this show a recipe that they can make. But first, can you just tell them? So there's this so, you guys, I, you have to hear this story. When Danielle and I met, it was so funny. She meets Christine yeah. Kane for the first time. Danielle, please this tell true. this story of what happened. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm a little like enamored. She's like a leader in our faith. I mean, I know we're not supposed to be a respecter of persons, but I'm like, come on. It's Christine Kane. Uh, We're having brunch at this beautiful home. We're here for the conference. Like how surreal. The Lord is just filling my tank. So Christine Kane moves over. I really wanted to sit at her table, but I didn't want to be like eager beaver. So um, me and you, we hit it off. We get our tea. We do our things. We're just eating together. We're playing off each other. We become each other's little security blankets when we don't know anybody. And uh, Annie Dan, bless her heart, cutest little gal ever. She brings Christine over to our table. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like Christine Kane is just sitting next to me. And I mean, I work with a lot of celebrities. I meet people all the time, but there's something so special about meeting somebody that has played such a great role in your faith journey. Yes. And so I'm like, oh, this is what starstrucks me. Jesus. Like, that's the thing. Uh, so we're sitting there and she just starts talking in her beautiful little accent. And I have no idea. You're going to have a better way to, to explain this. I have no idea how it comes out of my mouth, but it falls out of my mouth to the whole table. I believe Jen Johnson, maybe Carrie Job's on the corner, uh, as we're just name dropping everybody. And I say to Christine and everybody, heal my liver. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even make this up. No, no, guys. First, what she said to Christine, she goes, we've actually met before, but your security guard told me not to go any further. <laughs> Excellent detail. Excellent detail. You know what? Uh, you have an eye for detail, and that's a very important part of this story. <laughs> so she tells Christine to heal her liver. You guys, I yeah. I met Danielle, and I just said, "This is my friend. <laughs> this is my yeah. friend for life." We did not. We people thought that we had known each other for like. They're like, "How do, how long have you guys been friends?" We're like, I mean, "Oh, twenty minutes ago, did we you met. Grow up <laughs> together." And so when I decided I wanted to go in my kitchen. There is nobody better to go in the kitchen with than Danielle. We're going to link the recipe that she's going to give us in the show notes. But Danielle, what are we going to make today? You know what we're going to make? We're going to make a hibachi bowl. You know why Mm. we're making a hibachi bowl? Tell me. I happen to love a quick stir fry. And if you're new in the kitchen or you don't feel confident in the kitchen or you're just falling in love with cooking like you, uh, you want something that's going to give you big payoff 
not take a ton of time and make you feel like a little bit of a rock star. A hibachi bowl, we all go to the teppanyaki places where they, they're doing their knife skills and they've got the little onion volcano and we're like, oh my gosh, this was incredible. But it's like $150 to take your family. Right. And it's a great splurge. But what if I told you you could pick any protein, whatever is on sale, you can do shrimp, you can do chicken. I love double protein. Let's do, let's splurge. It's the new year. Uh, you can do steak. <laughs> you can even do ground meat, ground chicken, pork. If you're not a meat eater, do veggies, do tofu. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. So you're doing a quick hard stir fry. You're adding your veggies, which is basic too: green onions, mushrooms, zucchinis, just the basics. And then you're adding like a gorgeous sauce soy sauce, brown sugar, garlic. I mean, you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I can do this. You're steaming rice on the side. You're making that yum yum sauce, which is basically just lime juice, sriracha, and mayo, any sort of hot sauce. And I'm a real big person in the kitchen. Uh, If you don't have something, substitute. You don't have sriracha, use your regular old hot sauce. You don't have hot sauce, use sriracha. I mean, use red pepper flakes. You don't have lime, use lemon. I want people to feel empowered while they're cooking. And at the end of that, you're like, oh my gosh, I have this restaurant worthy, delicious dish. And then you're going to go into great places with really important people. And you're going to say things like heal my liver. And then Christine's going to anoint a napkin. Of course, it's a napkin. You're the cooking lady. And you're going to shove it in your bra. But you won't try to shove it in your bra. It just happened that way. So there's much more about this story. We'll delve into it for another day. But get cooking. Get cooking, friends, and do it with your friends in the kitchen. Danielle, thank you so much for telling us what we can make tonight. I hope you are ready to talk all things love and relationships. Today, we sit down with Madison Pruitt Trout. She was on season 24 of The Bachelor. She has like over 2 million followers on Instagram because everybody just fell in love with her on that show. She was single when she started writing her book, The Love Everybody Wants. And the Lord brought her her partner while she was writing about singleness, which is just so, see, surprise. That's the surprise we all want for 2024, right? So I just hope you love this conversation with Madison Pruitt Trout. So I like to open these conversations by doing a little bit of my internet sleuthing and stalking. For you, Madison, I found a reel that you had posted. It had about half a million views, and you say this, a lot of how you see yourself and a lot of how you view relationships is always going to stem from who you believe you are. You have to ask yourself, who do I believe that I am? I know who God says I am. I know who other people say I am, but who do I believe that I am? Why is that so important to you? Why do you think we need to figure that out? Well, I think that we're going to be faced with a crossroads moment a lot in our life where we know the truth and we know what we feel and we know what other people feel about us, but we have to choose what we're going to believe about us. And growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew what God's word said about me. I knew that I was a child of God, Um, but I had days where I didn't always feel that. And I had days where other people's words to me didn't always stand in alignment and agreement with that. And I had a you know, crossroads moment multiple times, you know, throughout my life where I had to choose what am I going to believe? What voice am I going to listen to? And, you know, those are the moments that we're going to have to continually face when it comes to our identity. 
And for me, it's continuing to say, I choose to believe the truth because it's the truth that's going to give me the freedom to walk in my true identity. Um, And I believe that truth is God's word. And so continuing to go back to God's word, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what other people are saying, what does God's word say about me? Because I know that that is the truth of who I truly am. I love that in your response, you say you have to do it continually. Because mm-hmm. I have found that. I, I think I thought in my younger years, I'm, I'm turning 37, but in my younger years, I think I thought that I was going to get to this point where I just like got it. Like I've graduated. I am now a new creation in Christ <laughs> and I'm not going to have to keep like talking back to my own thoughts. And so how do you handle, I had a moment like this this morning where I had to talk back to my own thoughts. I even said to my husband as I was telling him, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm, I'm like, not even enjoying being in my own body right now. Mm. And I said to him, I have to remind myself, these are my thoughts. This is not who I am. How do you respond when you're in that moment of whatever thing your brain is spiraling or thoughts that just come to you? How do you respond to yourself in that moment? Yeah, I think it's not invalidating my feelings, but also not just following them either. Yeah. And so acknowledging that they're real and acknowledging that they're there, but yet they often point to something so much deeper going on. Mm. And so, okay, Maddie, you don't feel pretty right now, but let's really dive deeper into that. Why do you not feel pretty? Where is this thought and feeling coming from and stemming from and really getting to the root of that and then adding truth to that because our feelings are valid, but they're not always right. And they're definitely, they definitely don't make good leaders either because they're very inconsistent. Sometimes they align with truth. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. And that's why they're not always trustworthy to follow. And so for me, it just comes down to, you know, feel what you feel, but at the end of the day, know what you know, know what is true and lean on that and turn to that and remind yourself of that. And I love that you said, you know, you, you, you know, talk to your husband this morning about that because I have those moments a lot and I'm like, Hey, I just, I don't know who I am right now. And I need you to, to remind me. And I think that even speaks to the power of community, you know, whether you're married or you have, you know, close friends, just really having people around you to remind you of who you are when you you can't see it or you've forgotten or you've started to believe this lie. I think community is so important. And so as much as I would say, you know, of course, know God's word, pray God's word over you. um, Sometimes we need other people to know it for us and remind us of it and pray it over us too when, when we just can't get it for ourselves. So whoever's listening right now, I want to say this to you because I think sometimes as Christians, we say things like, say the word of God. No, really, your brain (laughs) cannot distinguish the difference between fact or fantasy. Mm. So once you say it, whatever negative thought it is or whatever spiritual scriptural word you want to speak over your life, your brain can't tell the difference between fact or fantasy. So Mm. once you say it, it's as real as the ground you are standing on. So we do want to actually say out loud, so do not fear for I am with you. Amen. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you. I will hold you with my righteous hand. So mm. do you do that? Are you like, I'm, I'm like a creepy Christian and I know it. I will like <laughs> speak over my students. I'll say to my husband, we are going on a prayer walk and I'm just going to speak scripture over us. Do you do that too? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the way to thrive, you know, in the world that we're living in today. 
because there's so much darkness and there's so much pressure and anxiety and temptation and so much around us, it's, and those voices are loud. And yeah. so we have, we have to be even louder in the truth and speaking it over ourselves, speaking it and pushing back against darkness. And like you said, it's, it's really what, I, you know, scripture talks about bringing things into the light and, um, you know, not keeping it in the dark. Yeah. And I think so often when we think it, it just kind of stays in this dark space in our mind. Minds, you know, and then it just begins to fester and it begins to thrive. And it's like what started with this random little thought now is all turning into this belief system, which is now developing patterns and it's now creating all these different little things. But how much would that change? Like James 5 16 says, when we confess and we invite other people into it and we have them pray over us, that's where we find healing. Because when we bring it into the light and then we also invite the truth and invite the spirit of God into it, that's where we're going to find healing healing. And it's remembering that shame thrives in secrecy and sin thrives in isolation and in darkness. And so it's remembering when you keep those things within, you're just giving Satan um, an opportunity to just continue just having a field day in your mind. And so bringing those things into the light and saying them out loud, saying the truth of God's word out loud and really claiming like, okay, this is my anxious thought right now. I'm speaking it out loud, but now I'm claiming the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit over this thought. And it's just claiming the truth and it's saying it over yourself. It's praying it over yourself. I I so agree with that. I think there's so much power in that. Do you have moments where you do that for other people? You know what I mean? Like, have you had somebody else do that for you where they, you're saying whatever and they like stop you and they're Mm -hmm. like, hold on. And then they speak (laughs) this like truth or this future over you that you can't see for yourself. Do you have opportunities to do that for others? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think obviously I've had an opportunity to do it from, you know, a platform and social media standpoint, but I've learned that it's a really hard way of living if I'm only living from this, you know, through the screen reality and I'm not actually doing life with people that I'm allowing Mm -hmm. to speak into me and for me to speak into them. And so it's been really important for me over these last couple of years since my life has completely changed um, with going on reality TV to find people around me that can call me out that aren't just yes people that aren't just like, yeah, you go girl, you do you boo, but are saying no, actually don't do you die to yourself. Like don't trust your flesh. Don't trust your feelings. Follow the word of God. Follow your convictions and that are constantly calling me higher. Um, Of course, my husband does that for me, but we're also in a community group. We're in a small group and we have people around us. We have three other couples around us that we're daily doing life with at our church. And they know everything about us. We're confessing to them. Um, we're we're celebrating with them. We're praying with them. They're praying for us. And that has just been so good. And then we find people to disciple, you know, finding people to pour into and love on. And then I also have mentorship in my life. Um, my mentor is one of those one of those women that it has no problem with calling me out and telling me, Maddie, that ain't cute. That ain't holy. That ain't good. And she just, she'll speak it straight to me. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, and that took me a lot. I prayed for that for a really long time for mm-hmm. friends and for a mentor that would actually call me out and call me higher and point me to scripture and really fight for me in prayer. The last episode we did was with Mikey Planeta, And I, we don't usually do reality TV stuff. I don't know why. Now we're doing like this little reality TV. um, We're calling it a pod class with the two of you and both from the Bachelor franchise. But something that Mikey said was that he is very intentional about keeping mentors. 
around him who are just willing to like confront him and call him out on stuff. How did you find your mentor? I'm curious about that. Mm. Honestly, it was so organic. Um, I was, I just moved to Dallas, Texas and I knew like two people in the whole entire city of Dallas. And I remember getting invited to go over to um, this house of this lady who was super involved in ministry and in church. Um, if I said her name, you'd probably know who I'm talking about. And I actually did not know who she was. And I went over to her house really with no expectations. And there were a few other girls there. And she just began opening the word of God and just praying and encouraging us. And I loved um, just her heart for the Lord and her mm. boldness and just the wisdom that she had. And it wasn't this like perfect, eloquent speech. It was like raw emotion that was just saturated in truth and in prayer. And I was so grateful for her vulnerability and authenticity, but also just the way that she knew God's word and that she was not afraid to call me out. Um, I think there had been a lot of people in my past that I wanted to be mentors for me that mm -hmm. really would just agree with me on everything and just hype me up and just say, you know, oh, I'll pray for you. You know, the common phrase that we say so often. And, and what I found about this mentor was she actually meant it. Like she would stop. If I told her something, she would stop me in mid sentence and be like, let's pray. Like, let's put, let's pray yeah. right now. Let's pray God's word right now. And I was so grateful um, for just her, for her faith, like truly her faith really inspired me and encouraged me. And so really it was through mutual friends in the area. And I, I didn't know her, she didn't know me. And we kind of just organically met, but it had been years and years of praying for that, for sure. Did you say to her, will you be my mentor? Or I honestly don't know that I did. I think okay. it just naturally happened. Um, I think eventually I was like, hey, I want you to be a voice in my life that will, you know, just continue where you disciple me and you pour out, you know, your wisdom onto me, you pray for me. Um, but I don't know if I actually used, you know, that word mentorship. Um, now I say it all the time. Like now I'm yeah. like, Oh, you're my mentor. You're my, you know, other than, <laughs> other than Jesus and my husband, like you're my lifeline. And she knows that now. But I think at the beginning, it honestly, we just developed a relationship. Like, you know, we just continued to get coffee. We continued to get to know each mm -hmm. other and share our stories and just what God was teaching us and what we were reading in the, in the word. And, uh, and it just kind of happened. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. So in your book, The Love Everybody Wants, 
you say something that I, by the way, I want you guys to read this book. And I know I have a lot of um, single women that listen to this program. So this one is for you. It is so good. It's well written, Maddie. I want to tell you that. But here's something you say in your book. You say, before you think I'm setting out to write a how to get a boyfriend book, you should know that's not the goal. I want to show you how to look to God, see yourself, and find deep love amid our culture's shallow ideas of romance. Talk to me a little bit about your heart behind why you wanted to write this Mm. book. Yeah, thank you for your kind words. I am very real in my writing because it's the only way I know how to write is honestly to write to myself and to the younger version of me. And Mm -hmm. I actually started writing this book when I was in the middle of singleness and I was feeling all the feels. I mean, I was, I was single and bitter. I was mad that I wasn't getting my prayers answered. And all of my other friends were all of my other friends were getting married and having babies and just living their picture perfect life as I thought. And I wanted that. I wanted to be married. I wanted to start having kids. And I, and I just remember being frustrated with the Lord. Like, why isn't this working out for me? And I remember having this moment, this one day that changed everything. I was just sitting on my bed. I was crying. I was frustrated with the Lord. And I was like, God, why isn't this working out for me? Why is it working out for everyone else? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me gently, a kind little rebuke. Uh, He just laid on my heart like, Maddie, you are looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. You are trying Mm -hmm. to find this lasting, radical, unconditional love that meets all of your needs and satisfies every desire in your heart and makes you feel less lonely and more whole in another person. You're trying to find this in a relationship status and in a spouse when it can only be found in me. My love alone can fully satisfy you and complete you. And in that moment, I just remember thinking, you're right. Like I, I, I knew this and I knew other people had told me this, but now I'm faced with a decision to actually believe it and actually apply it and actually walk it out. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to learn contentment in the season. And I started just like finding godly friends and getting involved with the church and really diving all in with my faith, which I had already been a strong believer um, at this point. But I just remember like taking it to a whole nother level. Like, Lord, I want to be content here because I know if I don't learn contentment here, I'm not going to be content there. And I just started, yeah, just praying and, and fasting and spending more time with my friends. And honestly, what's crazy is I started writing this book single. And then about a few months into it, I actually met Grant, my husband now, and we started dating. And then I was writing this book on relationships and on singleness. And now I'm writing this book, evaluating, is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so now I'm like authentically writing about my own experience and evaluating and dating. And then we got engaged and then we got married. And I finished this manuscript a couple months after we got married. And I realized what was wild was single Maddie writing this book to herself, reminding herself that God's love is the only love that can fully satisfy and complete her is the same truth that, you know, is for the Maddie who's married. And I Mm. realized, wow, this message actually applies to me married. And it actually doesn't change all that much, even now in this season of my life. And really this book was, you know, for me currently in that moment and what I hope for many people 
was to really encourage you. Like it's all going to start end, finish, begin. Everything is with Jesus. And if you don't get that right, you're going to be chasing after all of these other loves that are going to only satisfy for a moment, but eventually make you feel more empty than before. And I just remember being like, okay, it's got to start with the Lord. I got to get that right. And then from that place, really learning to value myself, learning what it looks like to love myself um, in a godly way, not in the world's way of, you know, choose you, love you, you are your own God, not in that way at all, but just in a way of how do I have godly confidence? How do I set godly Mm -hmm. standards? How do I know my own worth and value through the lens of Christ and because of what Christ has done for me? And then once getting those two things right, am I able to really love other people the way that I was designed to and the way that I desire to? And so I really go through those three loves throughout the book. Do you feel like it's been easier or harder to have confidence since having now like an almost 2 million person platform on Instagram? Has that made it more difficult or are you now able to be like, okay, I see that God is with me. So now it feels easier. I would say both. <laughs> okay, I would okay. say it has made it harder in the sense of there are now so many more opinions and I have to right. remind myself of Galatians 1.10 often that says, am I now trying to please people or Christ? I just wrote this down. I just wrote this down this week. Okay, wait, (laughs) I'm going to stop. Say it again for the people. Friend, I just wrote this down this week. Now, Maddie, go. It's so good. And it's a verse to remind ourselves often. And I've had to remind myself of this, honestly, almost weekly. But it, it basically says, am I now trying to please people or am I trying to please God? Because if I'm trying to please people, then I cannot be a servant of Christ. Wow. And it is so convicting to me to, it, it literally shows me, I cannot fear man and fear God. Like I am choosing between the two and I cannot please God and please people. I am choosing between the two. So am I going to choose to let my approval of people run my mind rather than let the approval of Christ rule my heart because I want to please God. And I want to hear the words, good job, my good and faithful servant when I get to heaven one day. And I want that to be, you know, what continues to give me the vision and the heart and the passion for what I do. And so I would say it has made it harder in the sense of I have invited in a lot a lot more of other people's opinions in my life. Whereas before when I was working in foster care and adoption and living in Alabama and just, you know, a Southern girl, just at a local church, just doing my thing. I didn't really have millions of people's opinions that I was having to deal with and filter through that often made me question, Oh, am I not doing this right? Like maybe, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I, I, I'm not really called to do this. Maybe, you know, and I'm having to continually remind myself of Galatians 1.10. So I would say that makes it a little bit harder, but I would say on the other side of things, I think there's a great purpose in knowing that I am walking in my God-given purpose and in what God's called me to do. And I continue every single day. Like I start out my day in prayer, just saying, Lord, my life is not my own. My life versus Acts 20, 24. And it says, for I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 
And I have made that my life first for a reason because my natural inclination is to make it about me and to be focused on me and to want other people to like me. Right. And I have to continue to remind myself daily, it is all about Jesus. And so I hit my knees and I say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I am dependent upon you. And I lay down my life. I give you my life. My body is a living sacrifice. I want my life to be worshiped to you. I want my platform to be worshiped to you. I want my marriage to be worshiped to you. I want everything that's mine to be yours. And I want you to use it in a way that brings glory to your name. And I just continue to remind myself of that daily um, meditating and memorizing scripture, continuing to stay in prayer and praying those things over and over again, I think has given me just such a great sense of purpose of like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I think because of that surrendered and humble posture, then I know I'm living a life worthy of the calling that God has given me. I am like so sitting. I literally wrote down that Galatians 1.10 this week in worship. And it reminds me of this song by Taylor Swift. It's in um, it's in You Are Losing Me. And she says, this is the line. She says, I wouldn't marry me either, a pathological people pleaser. Oh my goodness, that line gets me every time because I identify with it so much. It really, I, I like wrote it in my phone. And I said, oh my goodness, because I feel like the more time I'm spending, I hope, with the Holy Spirit the more bold I've become. And, and I think it shocked me because I felt like, oh, boldness is like a bad thing or I, I should want to care what everybody else thinks. And so then I read that verse about being a servant to God means you, you really can't mm -hmm. be a people pleaser. And oh my goodness, did it rock me to my core. So I'm just tickled that you just read that. I want wait, I wanted to read to you something that you wrote. Okay. In chapter seven, you say this. This is a very interesting line. It's about falling in love. And you say, why do we describe love, the biggest and most important thing we have on this earth, like it is something we just stumble upon by accident? If that's how we truly view love, no wonder it keeps running into dead ends. No wonder it continues to fail. No wonder it's full of unfaithfulness and inconsistency. And then you quote Andy Stanley and say, falling in love is easy. It requires a pulse. Staying in love requires more. Mm. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I have seen throughout my life that it was very easy in my past before I met Grant to really just be so led by my emotions, you know, and even the quote uh, or the phrase that we so often mm. use, like I fell in love was kind of what inspired me to write that whole paragraph of why do we describe love as this thing that we just fall into, like we fall into a ditch, you know, or like we fall down the stairs, you know, why do we describe it as something so clumsy and something so accidental when the Bible describes it as something sacrificial and intentional and, you know, where you have to literally die to yourself and say, love is actually not about me. It's about so much more giving than receiving. It's about so much more of what you can do for others and what they can do for you. And when I see love, I see in my word, it talks about it so much in First John, that God is love and that because God is love and it goes on to describe his love for us, it says he laid down his life for us. And it says, because we are Christians and we're, we're following him, we're called in his love to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. And so true love is not really anything to do with what you can get, but everything to do with what you can give. Mm. And I just remember being so convicted of that throughout my relationships because I think I really had this idea of like, 
in the name of setting high standards. It was like, it's all about me. Like, what are you going to do for me? And I do think that setting high standards is so important. Um, And I talk about it a lot in my book, but where I think we have to be really careful is what I realized in marriage was, but real love is not, Hey, what are you going to do for me? And how are you going to meet my needs and expectations? But actually I'm called to lay my life down for you. Like I'm called to serve you. And so, yeah, I think it's really this idea of like, it's not clumsy. It's not accidental. It's not feelings based. It's actually intentional. It's a choice and it's an everyday decision. And it's very sacrificial, unconditional, and really not based on the other person's merit or how they treat you or good deeds because we're called to love everyone. And so, um, yeah, really just this idea of like being challenged by this idea of God's love rather than this worldly feelings based love that we just fall into or stumble upon. How do you help people know how to make that choice of who to give that type of, and I'm talking about, of course, in like a committed relationship, love too, um, like that sacrificial love so that it's not then exploited by somebody who doesn't also (laughs) show those same things back to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I talk about, I have a whole chapter in the book on what to look for and how to know, quote unquote, if they're the one. And I talk about how I have my three C's. um, And these were things that just were really helpful for me. And, And not that other people have to adopt these same principles, but I think it is really important for you to ask yourself based on God's word, based on my wiring and what my God given purpose is and the direction that I'm headed in. What am I looking for? Um, It's going to be really hard to hit the target if you don't know what the target is, if you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know where, if you don't know where you're going. And so for me, writing these things out and knowing these things and being aware of these things were really important or else I was just going to find myself going on all these dates being like, I think, I I don't know, maybe. Um, And then just trying to trust, you know, my feelings or chemistry, which a lot of times will mislead us. But I do think chemistry is important in the right way. So my three C's um, are convictions, uh, convictions in the sense of is for me, is he a man of his convictions? Is he a man who actually is in love with Jesus and follows the Lord's commands? Or does he just talk about it? Is it just a religion to him because it's his Mm. parents' religion? Or is he actually about it? Like, does he have a personal relationship with Jesus that has changed everything about him? It changes the way he talks, the way he thinks, the way he makes decisions, his friend group, his everything. And is he a man of those convictions? Is he led by the convictions that he has because of Jesus and not his feelings or not culture or not the crowd, but a man of strong convictions? And then second would be character, um, a man of his word, a man, a man of integrity, a man who is trustworthy and loyal and faithful, all of those things. And then last, I would say chemistry. For me, attraction was important. I was like, hey, I want to be attracted to you. I want to know that I can wake up next to you every day and enjoy waking up next to you every day. And so that was important to me. Obviously not the most important thing, but that one was on there too. When did you know that your husband was the one? The first date. Did you really? Wait, (laughs) tell me about that. Okay, wait, back up. How is that? Did you like, did you feel like the Holy Spirit confirm it? What was it? So what was crazy was we had never met before. We got set up on a blind date. And so we did not know each other at all. He didn't know anything about me. I didn't know anything about him. And we kind of walked into it just really hands open, like, okay, Lord, we just, we got set up by a mutual friend. And so the mutual friends knew me and knew him and said, I think the two of you would be a really good couple. 
and uh, and obviously did a great job. And Aww. so we went on our date and I can't even explain it to you. Honestly, leading up to it, I had been so prayerful. And even right before the date, I felt just a crazy piece, but also a nervousness that like I never feel. And I was like, okay, this is different. But I remember being on the actual date. And I, I mean, yes, there was peace. Like I would definitely say God's peace was there, but I would just say more than anything, I was so blown away by his love for Jesus. I was so mm. blown away by the way he loved people, even the waiter, like even the way he interacted with other people, even the way he asked questions and was actually just intentional and kind and a gentleman. And I don't know, just all everything about him, I just can... I can sense things out pretty fast. I would say like I have the spirit of discernment. And so I can discern pretty quickly, you know, is this person actually about it? And just the joy that he had, the way he talked about how God had radically rescued him and redeemed him. And as he shared his testimony and his faith, I just was blown away. Like I had never met a man like that in my life. And I Mm -hmm. had been on quite a few dates before then. And so I was pretty blown away. And so I remember texting my mom in the middle of the date when he ran to the bathroom and I was like, I'm in trouble. And then I called her right after Aww. and I said, I'm going to marry that man. Mm, I want to circle to your friend that's a matchmaker <laughs> because I I personally, like I love matchmaking people. And I, as like a Christian, I just think it's important if you have single friends that are looking to tell them, do you ever matchmake people? Do you have any success stories? Uh, no, not yet, but I want okay. to. I really, okay. I really want to. It's like a, pa- a secret passion of mine that I'm like, I have still a good amount of single friends. I also have two single sisters and I'm like, oh. I want to find your spouse. I want to feel like yeah. I can look at someone and be like, I know you, I know them. And the two of you together would make the most amazing couple. But I have not, I do not have a success story yet. <laughs> I have like three marriages and then two of my students that, and this is, I don't know if it's illegal, like I'm sure it's bad, but I could tell, I was like, these two would be such a good couple. And so I was speaking somewhere and I asked one to, she did slam poetry. And so I asked her to come do poetry for me to open. And then he like played music. So I asked him to play a song. So I took them with me to this event, but really I was just trying to give them a place. That's amazing. And now they're married and now they're married. And it makes me so happy. Madison Pruitt Trout was on season 24 of The Bachelor. Her latest book is called The Love Everybody Wants. And friend, you can get it wherever books are sold. Pause the episode right now and pick it up. Share it with a friend who you know will enjoy it. Madison, our show is called Viral Jesus. What do you think it means to be a Christian when we are online? Mm. I would say who you are in private is going to come out in public. And so how you're Mm. investing in the alone moments with the Lord is going to show when you're in a crowd of people, when you're on social media, when you're on a stage, doesn't matter where you are, um, what what you are and who you are inside and how you're investing in the alone moments with God is all going to come out when the spotlight hits, when the pressure is on, when you're on that platform. And so I think it's so important to be investing in those alone moments with God. And don't forsake the hidden, the private, the secret spaces with God. Don't forsake those moments. I think it's really easy for us to get in God's word if we're Christians and we have a platform or we want to help people on social media, which is great. And I do it too. But I think we can often forsake our own quiet time with God to, we have to find something that's going to go viral. And so I have to read God's word to then share it to then maybe it'll help someone 
But if it's not, if it's not rooted in God's love and if it's not rooted in humility and if it's not rooted in scripture and coming from an authentic place, then I have a hard time believing that it's going to really be fruitful. And so I think it's so important that we're abiding. It talks about it in John 15. Make sure you abide. You have to stay attached to the vine in order to bear fruit, in order to make a difference, in order to be significant, whether it's social media, whether it's at your job, whether it's in your relationships and friendships, in order to be fruitful, in order to make any kind of a difference we have to be abiding. Madison Pruitt Trout was on season 24 of The Bachelor. Her latest book is called The Love Everybody Wants. You can get it wherever books are sold. Madison, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what can we learn from my conversation with Madison Pruitt Trout? Number one, Madison said something that I love. She said, feel what you feel, but know what you know. Waiting in general may bring up a lot of difficult emotions and insecurities, and it's okay to feel that. But you have to also, when you're ready, speak back to your brain what you know. And I hope you know that you are loved by God and that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and that he does have a plan for you and he has not forgotten you, and he has seen you every step of the way. Number two, Maddie says it's important to bring things into the light. Sin thrives in isolation and darkness. Don't keep everything inside. Don't keep your mistakes inside. Don't keep your past inside. Have someone that you can share your heart with and ask them, say, all I want you to do is to help remind me of what I know. Help me claim the truth of God's word over these dark thoughts that I'm having. But you can't do that until you bring it into the light. Number three, Maddie and I both had written down the exact same verse recently. And so that just tells me that the Holy Spirit is doing something. And so I want you to look it up. I want you to say it out loud, Galatians 1.10, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Woo, that is so good. And I hope it brings some encouragement to us people pleasers. We won't be able to please all the people and still be servants of Christ. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Next Thursday, we sit down with my friend, Holly Oxhandler. It will continue, actually, this conversation that I didn't even mean to have with Madison, but look at how the Lord brings all things together. He makes a crooked path straight. We're going to continue this conversation on people pleasing with Holly next week. And she's a therapist. So I think that means we can trust her. I don't know if that's how it works, (laughs) but I'll see you next week for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. 
Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.